Hello and welcome to the Kalkatindi Show. We don't believe in ourselves enough to really go after our dreams. I had a purpose. I was in a marriage. I wasn't too happy with my relationship at the time. I don't know what it is yet, but I just, I really trust it. And it's, it's exciting to tap into it because you see little breadcrumbs of it, like little kind of tastes of different mm-hmm. kind of doors that you're opening up. I do genuinely believe mm-hmm. that if you have the confidence and the self-belief to achieve, that anything is is possible. I really can create change in this world. I really can help people. They've changed my life. They've completely revolutionized the way that I think and they've encouraged my highest self. And, um, you know, I think the foundations in those three books. All right, I'm here with Ren Bennett. Ren is a financial professional, the owner of Freedom Financial LLC, and he's here to share with us some tips and hacks on how to improve our finances and achieve financial freedom. Ren, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Glad to be here. Awesome. So can you share with us how Freedom Financial came about? Yeah, sure. So Freedom Financial LLC actually uh, just started last summer. So it's, it's not even a year old now. And it's really the product of uh, a partnership with a couple of really good friends and uh, partners, business partners, who over the last decade or so, uh, we came together uh, working on different teams in the financial industry and just realizing that we had a lot more in common and, and, uh, and a similar ambition within the industry and what we wanted to do with our careers. So we uh, jointly decided to leave uh, the, the larger company that we started out with and form our own business, really with the intention of um, basically being as transparent and, and honest and, and also just service-oriented in caring for uh, people's needs when it comes to their financial plan and investments and and all the other things that go into uh, somebody's money situation. Awesome, awesome. So, Ren, we had a conversation last week, I think. Was it last week? Yeah, I think it was last week. Yeah, it was last week. And you shared with me a lot about, you know, the language of money. You know, and I want you to kind of recap that for the audience, you know, because I found it so valuable and you gave me a lot of great advice. So, what is the language of money and how do we learn to speak it? Sure. Yeah, I, I think... That, the answer to that really comes in a couple of parts. And, and to take a step back, I, I'd like to just first make reaffirm the point that money really is like a foreign language. I think that was, it was, it's, impre- it's always impressive to me when I'm talking to somebody like you who, who speaks fluently in more than one uh, spoken language. And, and so for me, I, I kind of lean on the fact that I did some Spanish in, in high school and I, I, I know enough to be dangerous and maybe surprise a few people that I might understand what they're saying, but I really don't speak more than just English as far as a spoken language. However, uh, learning the money language has, has really been pivotal in, uh, in business for me. And, and I teach people that, that money really is like a foreign language. You, you have to uh, approach it that way. You're not going to just pick up a couple of things here and there and, and be able to really operate. Uh, just like with a foreign language, you're not going to learn a few phrases and then be able to go live in another country. You, you really have to immerse yourself and, and study and, 
and apply yourself in many different ways to, to fully understand how to speak the language. And, and with money, you know, that comes from a variety of different experiences, some of which might be academic, but also uh, really it, it comes from an innate, innate interest and in, in passion for money. Not everybody is really cut out to speak the money language. And, uh, and so sometimes it's important to find a translator and, uh, and work with people uh, who perhaps have that passion and, and that you can trust and, and really um, reach out to and, and leverage to, to pursue a, a, a right understanding or, or just a healthy relationship with, with your money. Awesome. So you talked about translators. Can you elaborate more on that? for someone who may not really understand what you're referring to here. Sure, yeah, sometimes my metaphors get stretched a little thin. <laughs> and, uh, and so when I talk about translators in the context of the money language, what I mean is, is a couple of different things. On, on one level, translators might, are, are professionals. So like a financial advisor or a um, investment advisor, portfolio manager, a mutual fund company. These days, there's a lot of online or, or app-driven solutions that really perform the translator function. In other words, handling the technical um, prowess needed to, to really uh, address money for somebody's situation and, and maybe create a layer of abstraction so that perhaps you don't have to be fluent in all of the, the different industry lingo lingo and, and jargon but perhaps if you have a particular goal in mind uh, this advisor or, or application uh, really performs that translation for you so that maybe you don't speak the money language but you're working with somebody who does uh, on another level though and in and, and similar uh, or attached to that you know, translators can also be just friends or, or trusted advisors mentors people who Maybe they're not a professional in this industry, but but they they understand the money language better, maybe from experience, or perhaps they've previously or, or currently worked with a professional and, and can can help you understand things better. But uh, the bottom line is it's it's essential if you haven't really um, become that expert in the language of money that you that you embrace this idea of. Of needing a translator, unless you want to just be lost and uh, inadvertently end up in a dark alley somewhere because you you didn't understand the street signs. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned something about phrases that it's not like a language that has phrases that you can you know master or crown maybe to communicate something. So in that in the context of money, like if you refer it back to the money itself. How do you explain that? You know the phrases. Well, yeah, I, don't I think it's. Mm. I think there's a lot. There's there's really two different sides to money. There's there's the making and spending of money, mm -hmm. which is I think one side of the coin, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. And and then there's the investing or growing of money or the handling of money. And, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a common turn of phrase that, you know, most people know how to, how to make money and spend it, but very few people understand how to really get money working for them in an effective way. And, and so there's, there's definitely phrases and terminology in the context of making and spending money, but I think most people just for, 
from experience and, and from, from their parents or from their friends and just from their own day-to-day lives probably know that language. Things like, you know, dollars and cents or whatever the currency might be for where you are. Uh, you know, that terminology typically gets learned pretty easily. But, but when you look at the other side of, of that coin, when you look at the handling of money and the growing or investing of money, there's a lot of things that, that are just foreign to, to most people. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's as simple as if I start a conversation with somebody about something like uh, a, well, actually, I'll keep it even simple than that. Just the different places where you might put your money in order to grow it. Uh, you know, you, if, if I ask somebody, well, where, where, where might you put your money to grow it? They might say something like the bank or the stock market or real estate or somebody's business. And any one of those options, there's going to be a whole laundry list of terms and phrases and, and just nuances that if you haven't studied it or if you're not, if you don't have the experience already, you're, you're not going to speak that language. And you're, you'll, you'll very quickly, I start talking to somebody about banks and all of the things that go on with putting money in the bank. There's a lot of terminology there, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a joke that says most people don't know the difference between a CD in the bank and a CD in their car, and uh, you know, or or with the stock market. If I start talking about things like options and margin accounts, and uh, or or even just understanding how to read the the statistics or and metrics of a particular company that somebody might be thinking about investing, everywhere you look, there's literally a foreign language, if you will, when it comes to these things as they pertain to them. Okay, so I get you now. And that's where the translators come in, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, you can do it yourself. You can study YouTube videos, buy books, go to, go to school. I mean, I'm not trying to say that you must have a translator, but in the absence of that, of that effort and that passion for, for studying this and learning it on one's own and, and taking the time to do it, uh, it's important not to wait. Uh, the, the longer you put off uh, learning the learning the language yourself, uh, and in the absence of learning it using a translator, the further behind you're going to get. Uh, you know, everybody knows, or not everybody, but everybody should know that really the, the most powerful force in the in the world of money is is this idea of compound interest. And you know, some people like to call it the eighth wonder of the world, or or the most powerful force in the universe, but just the, the, the fact that money, the longer you wait, you're not just falling behind linearly, you're falling behind exponentially. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I think is close related to understanding the language of money and mastering it is having the right mindset. Do you agree? Absolutely. There is a money mindset that we all have. Mm. And, uh, a lot of people fail to identify what their money mindset is. Usually in, in, in the absence of intentionally setting that mindset, we inherit that. It's a legacy that we receive from our family and our upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so if we grow up in a, in a family where money is always viewed as a, as a scarce uh, resource, you know, th- th- that's where that scarcity mindset comes from in mm-hmm. terms of money. If you, if you grow up in a family where money is viewed as something that is no object, you might have a bit of an abundance. 
doesn't make one right or wrong. There's, there's usually some balance there, but, but that's just one facet of money mindset. There's, there's also things like just thinking um, in terms of value versus thinking in terms of cost. That's another facet of the money mindset. Can you elaborate on, on the value versus cost? Yeah. Um, so when people uh, look at spending their money, mm-hmm. uh, you it's, it's kind of like this. Have you ever been to a restaurant where there's a menu? Mm-hmm. And there's on the usually, and I guess it probably depends on what country you're in or what what culture you're in. But um, usually, at least in the United States, the the items that are available on the menu are on the left side of the menu, and then the prices are on the right side. Mm-hmm. And so, the difference of a value mindset versus a cost mindset is the value mindset looks at the left hand side first. The cost looks at the right-hand side first. And there's a problem. There's a problem with, with exclusively doing one or the other, but it, it's the order. in which it, So if I go to a restaurant, and I love food, so if I go to a restaurant, I'm not going to look at the prices first because if I do, I'm, you know, I'm just naturally frugal and, and fiscally responsible. I'm going to focus in on you know, maybe the – the one third of items that are the least expensive. And, and I don't want to do that because I love trying, you know, great foods and, you know, getting, you know, maybe something that's, that's the house specialty. And so I'd much rather look at the left-hand side first. And, and then, you know what, I might look through the filter of, okay, if the item that I picked out initially is $50 and, and everything else on the menu is only $10, I might back up and say, okay, what's the second best thing? But, but in general, you know, we, we all we all look at things through one lens or the other, whether we look at the left-hand side of the menu first or the right-hand side. And it's not just a factor of how much money you have. It's it's a mindset that we that we choose. And, um, and and so beyond food, if you have a value mindset, you will end up you know really progressing further and, and, and finding more out of money than if you take a cost mindset. Because if you're constantly just looking for the, the, the least expensive option, you're going to miss some of the wonderful, beautiful things that, that uh, this world has to offer. And, you know, that's a very high-level summation of that. But, but I think if you apply that to most experiences, you'll find it to be true. Okay, so how do we cultivate that mindset? That's a great question. I think, I think part of it starts with identifying where you're at now. I think a second part of it also, it's, it's probably a step-by-step process. First is identifying, am I a left-hand side or right-hand side of the menu person? Am I a value or a cost person right now? Is that where I'm at? Where am I now? I think from there, it's then uh, deciding what money really means to you. Because I, I, I've got to tell you, the, the tighter we cling to money, and the, the, the greater importance we place on it, actually the worse, the harder it is to have the right mindset about money. It's, it's one of those things where you actually have to kind of let go of it a little bit in order to have the right relationship with it. And it's a little counterintuitive. I, I think some people might tell you, hey, you have to obsess about money if you wanna get more money. And, and I, I'm just, that may work for some people, but 
uh, it's, it's been my experience that the, the happiest people uh, on earth when it comes to their financial situation are not the richest people on earth. It's the people that, that have, have let go a little bit of, of what money really means to them and have come to appreciate that it's, it's a tool. It's, it's something to be used. It's not, it's not the end game. It's not an object of our affection to be obsessed about. And, and so I think that's really the second area, the second step in cultivating the right mindset is, is, is working through that process. Because even if, even if you have millions and millions of dollars and you haven't, and you haven't let go of that importance, you'll never be able to look at the left-hand side first. You'll still concern yourself with that price and, uh, and get caught up in that and it'll, and it'll affect your, your decision-making. Wow. And, and, uh, and, and so that's, I think that's really kind of the first two steps in that process. Uh, that's, that's a very rare, you know, a very rare perspective that you just mentioned here. Yeah. I, you know, and, and I think perhaps that comes from where I seek wisdom from first, you know, having a, a um, having a, a, a Christian background, mm-hmm. I, I take a lot of, a lot of wisdom from the Bible and and so there's it, a lot of people may not realize that money is probably one of the most talked about topics in the Bible. And so it's sometimes people think, oh, that's weird that you're you're you're, you're really focused and obsessed with money. You, you work with money all day and yet you call yourself a Christian. And, and I, I actually think it's the opposite, you know, that, that you know, we we really we really have to look uh, for for truth somewhere as far as understanding these things above and beyond ourselves. And, and so you're right. It is counterintuitive because I think if we, if we try to gain the right perspective on money from within ourselves, it's it, the tendency is going to be to try to bear down even harder and, 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 and grip it even tighter in order to achieve success. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's the same thing in building freedom financial. I've, I've had to learn being, being my own boss, so to speak, you know, having a company of my own. Uh, I, I initially thought, oh, I need to put all of my time into building this business and forsake everything else, my family, my, my involvement with my church, my, my friendships. I, I put it all aside and said, okay, I'm going to spend as many hours as possible to build this business up. And it was only when I actually took a step back and, and saw a little bit healthier balance. Now, don't get me wrong. I still had to really work hard and, and, and have a, a very strong work ethic to get a business off the ground. But, but, it, but it was that loosening of the grip that, that actually brought success with respect to, to building a business. And, and I think it's the same concept or same principle that you see with just your own financial situation as well. Mm-hmm. Ren, I want us to talk about financial freedom. Mm-hmm. What is the process like of getting to financial freedom? Yeah, it's such an important question that everybody should ask themselves uh, because it starts with understanding first of all those two. You know, there's those two sides of the coin, and and it, to focus for a minute on the making and spending of money, it it really starts there in terms of understanding. Number one, uh, making money is not a a a one step process. It's there, I think we touched on this actually the other day that, uh, and there's a lot of great books that are written on, on this idea that 
if you're just trading your time for money, uh, you're, you're probably always going to hit a, 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 an invisible or a glass ceiling on, on being, becoming financially free because when you're using, when you only have the lever of spending more time to generate more money, you know, and what I mean by that is either as an employee or as maybe some kind of skilled trade that maybe makes so many of something or provides so many services to generate so much money. When it's this linear relationship, uh, you're, you're, you're going to be limited and you will probably never be truly free unless you're just a really good saver. But even then, you can't accelerate the, the path to that freedom. You, you're going to be on a pretty set timeline and, and that may be fine. Maybe you truly get joy out of, out of what you're trading your time for dollars with. And you know, I, I, I work with a lot of people who, who love their job and, and, and have a passion for what they do. And, and they, there's not really anything else in life that they'd rather be spending their time on. But you know, I would argue that that's a certain degree of financial freedom that's somewhat unique and different. Most people, they're, they're not living just so that they can work. They're, they're working so that they can at some point or even throughout their life, have have some some freedom. So so being completely financially free means understanding that there's different ways of making money and and having multiple income sources. But then it's also as far as spending money, understanding that there's really only uh, five different things that we can do with our money, and and, and so you know spending it. Is, is kind of a generic term that I use kind of the overarching uh, term, but then unpacking that there's, there's consumption, which is a sub category of spending, which would mean, you know, anything from spending it on spending money on food to your, sh- your, your shelter, you know, your mortgage or your rent or whatever you spend for the house that you live in uh, to the car you drive and the fuel that you pay for to put it in all that's consumption. And that's, that's only one box of the five. And it's actually not even really the, the, the main one to focus on. You, you, you actually can kind of back into how much one should be spending in terms of consumption. It's, it's actually, you start with some of the other boxes, the, the mandatory boxes, things like taxes. You know, there's, there's a certain percentage of your, of your money that has to be spent on taxes, you know, I mean, some I guess some countries might might have no tax, but I think those are probably few and far between. Just about anywhere you live, there's going to be a a, a a discrete percentage of your money that's going to have to go towards taxes. So you set that aside. Well, the second thing, uh, the second one that's a, that's a non-negotiable is any debt obligations. So if you have if you've taken out a loan to to buy a car or to go to school or or to start a business. There's, there's some interest that you have to pay on that debt. I'm not talking about paying off the debt. That's not necessarily part of this box, but the obligation that you have towards that debt, the interest that you must pay is, is a percentage of your overall picture. So a lot of times you, you, know, you take the taxes out of the equation, the, the debt obligations, and you're left with only like 70 or 80, maybe even less percent. Maybe something's in a lot of debt. Maybe they only have 50 or 40% of, of the money that they make each month left to use for these other three boxes. And, and, and unfortunately that's where everybody wants to be. Everybody wants to spend all their money on these three boxes. And a lot of times that's how people get themselves in trouble is because they, they don't factor in the taxes or the debt obligations into their mental budget or, or written budget. And, 
and they end up wondering where all their money goes and not understanding that, that they're missing pieces of the puzzle and, or they haven't defined them or, or, or quantified them. So these other three boxes are also really important to be intentional about. And, but they're boxes that you have control over. So the, the first of the three, and again, it's in this order, the, the first of these three boxes is your, is your charity, your giving. And, and again, this, this is not religion specific or, or, or worldview specific, but we are all as human beings uh, influenced in a, in a very directly positive way uh, correlated to the, the degree of, of charity that we have in our lives. That you know, the, the more miserly and self-centered we are with our money, the, the more difficult, the more friction uh, you're going to experience in, in uh, your effort to become financially free. And so I tell people, you got to pick a percentage. So, so it might, you know, and, and, you know, again, my Christian roots, 10% is a pretty good starting point. It's a popular number that a lot of people use, but, but you got to pick a percentage for yourself. And it, even if maybe you've never been charitable ever in your life, Start with 0.1%, you know, do something, some percentage of what you make that you're spending every month needs to be going to charity. And, uh, and so I like to tell people though, 10% is a pretty good place to start. And, and the goal in life should be to increase that box as big as possible. I mean, just imagine for a minute what it would feel like mm-hmm. if you could actually have a 99% of the money that you were making in the charity box and you were still, you know, taking care of your necessities and your, and your desired lifestyle. I mean, how much better would you feel, you know, and how, how much, just how much good could potentially come from that way of living. And so, so the charity box is number three, the fourth and fifth boxes are probably where most people dwell on and, and focus on most in figuring out financial freedom. And yet they're arguably, the last ones that should be looked at and, and measured and, and figured out. And, and unfortunately, most will skip those other three boxes. But the fourth and fifth boxes, like we said, are investing. So there's there's this idea of investing one's money in order to grow it or investing one's money to get out of debt. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the above and beyond the normal consumption that, uh, that somebody might use their money for. And then the fifth box is consumption. So, so with investing and consuming, this is where, again, I, like I said, you have control. What people don't realize with consumption is sometimes people will tell me, I've already cut everything out of my budget I possibly can. And, and that might be true to a certain degree, but, but there's some really, again, back to this language of money, there's some simple concepts one can apply to, to helping not only reduce, but just on an ongoing basis, control their consumption. And, 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 the first, and it starts with understanding the difference between something that they need versus something that they want. And this is a very basic concept. Most people already understand that there are things they, they consume that are not necessities, that they're desires or, or luxuries. And, and, but, but, but being able to measure that or quantify that in some way, and there's some great software, free programs out there that you can utilize to do this. That's very important. But then the other dimension of this is also understanding what is a fixed cost versus a variable cost. And and business owners are going to understand this or or economists or accountants are going to know what I mean when I say fixed cost versus variable cost. But, but knowing that you can 
definitely directly control your variable expenses. So how much fuel you, you use throughout the month, how much food you eat, what, what type of food, you know, these things, how much electricity you utilize and your bill that you're going to have for water, et cetera. Those are variable. You can control those definitely. Fixed costs you can control as well by shopping around. And some people just don't take the time to make sure that they're spending the least amount of money on, on different things. So anyway, I don't mean to get so uh, down in the weeds on, on one aspect of all of this. I know you had some other questions that you wanted to ask, but, but, um, but those are really the key steps uh, in, in, uh, towards financial freedom is understanding that there's these five boxes and there's an order of operations there, making sure that, that charity is not being left out and, and starting there. And then, and then last but not least, it's the, it's, it's the fourth box I mentioned, the investing piece. It's really the other side of the coin now. Like I was talking about how to grow your money. That's where, that's like really the last piece to worry about. So once you've got everything else in order, then you can pursue that investing box and, wow. and figuring out a strategy there is a whole other conversation. You know, we, we don't have the time to cover it, but, and, and there's probably numerous uh, conversations we could have on all kinds of different topics in the area of investing and, and growing one's money in different ways. But, but that's, that's the flow. That's the path to flow. Awesome. That's a very powerful course of plan. And I'll just take note, the, the order matters, right? It's not just about the boxes, but the order in which one pays attention to the yes. box matters. Yeah, order definitely matters. It, you know, it's, it's, it's like baking a cake. You know, you can't, you can't put the ingredients in the oven just, you know, haphazardly. You've got to follow the recipe. And if you do it wrong, you might end up with something that you didn't really want to eat. And, and the other part of why it's like baking a cake is you have, you can't rush it. Like you can't say, okay, I baked the cake for half the amount of time. I'm just going to have a half good cake. Well, you have no cake if you only baked it for half of the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's the same thing with your, your, your path to financial freedom. You can't skip steps or, 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 or try to take shortcuts. It, it just doesn't work. Oh, that's powerful, man. Uh, Grant, I want to talk about, the situation going on right now, COVID-19 situation. Like a lot of people are in financial struggle right now. How can they apply this knowledge that you've just shared with us to this situation? Yeah, that's a great question as well. Um, I, I think the first thing to, to acknowledge is there's everything, everything when it comes to money really does hinge on having good habits. And, and, and developing good habits around these different concepts that I'm talking about. And so this transition that we've had into a really a new way of living has forced us, whether we realize it or not, into new habits. And so I think it's important to examine how our spending habits have formed around this new lifestyle and, and be cautious or, or, or self-aware of, of any bad habits that have started to form. Like, maybe not cooking as much and, and, and ordering food from places that are considered safe, you know, and, and because the, the energy level is just not there, the excitement's not there. Maybe, maybe there's, maybe, maybe there's spending on, on things on the internet. Uh, it's a little easier to sit on your computer all day and, and, and shop. And so there's like things that, that you can be self-aware of in terms of that. But I think, 
probably more importantly is, is not letting this time go to waste. There are so many positive things that you can spend your time on uh, while you're either, you know, either out of work or, um, or, or forced to stay at home or whatever your circumstance may be where, where things have just shifted rather than looking at the, the negative side of it, look at the opportunities that, that, that are now available that maybe you weren't looking for or focused on before. There's, there's no shortage of opportunities for, for education and self-improvement and even, even business opportunities out there right now uh, on, uh, that you can do from home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I'll, and don't get me wrong, there's, there's things to be wary of and, and watch out for. There's people that are looking to capitalize or take advantage. But, but I think having your eyes wide open and your ears open and, and looking for those opportunities is, is probably the main thing that I would, uh, other than being self-aware of bad habits, those are probably the two main things I would, I would say. Wow, thank you, Ryan. That's powerful. Uh, I want to dive into some quick five questions. What is your definition of success? Success is, um, that's a, that's, I, I don't love answering that question because I think it, it's different for different people. But success, I'm going to assume that you're asking me what's success for me. Yeah, it's and, for and you. So, yeah, su- success for me is, is connection. Uh, whether, and, and, and healthy or positive connection. It, you know, it's, it's with my wife, with my kids, with my friends, with strangers, with, with people in general, having, having more healthier, better quality connections. That's, that's really success for me. Well, wow, that's a very unique answer. I wasn't expecting that. Like, I couldn't have guessed that. That's <laughs> very interesting. And I, I think it's very admirable that you know you think of success in terms of having really amazing relationships i think that's that's really interesting well i think i think it's because you know we're talking about money which is one currency but i would say people are probably the most valuable currency of all true and so i think that's where that comes from awesome ran do you have a favorite book yeah, well, I'm I'm a little biased because I, I I'm I'm gonna say that the Bible was my favorite. I would say Proverbs is probably my favorite book, wow. uh, just because it's so full of wisdom. But wow. um, uh, but so I would I would say even if you're not uh, a Christian, you can pick up a Bible and read the book of Proverbs, and it's it's actually probably the least uh, religious. Of, of, of books in the Bible. It's, and it's a great place to start if you've never taken a look because maybe you thought it was only for people that happen to believe that particular faith. And, um, and so uh, proverb, I mean, I, I, I like to joke a proverb a day keeps poverty away. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, there's, there's some really good stuff in there, not just about money, but about life and, and people and relationships that's a great answer that's a great answer Ryan. um Ryan, why don't you go ahead and talk about your products and uh, the services you offer at freedom financial so the listeners can know how to access them if they need it so yeah first of all uh you know we have a lot of great information on our website which is freedomfin.net freedomfin.net and um 
I mean, we, we work with people on all kinds of different levels. I, I would say probably our, our sweet spot or, or our, our flagship is, is managing investments for, for people. You know, we, 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 are, we are the proverbial money guy for, for a lot of people. And so uh, if somebody has money that they're not sure what to do with and they know they should be doing something with it, we're, we're a really good person to call because first of all, we're not going to be a one, uh, a one trick pony, so to speak. We don't just offer one particular investment or one product. So it's a little bit difficult to answer your question because it's not like I can say, Oh, well, I, I offer this one thing. And because really what we offer is, is a conversation. You know, we, we, we offer the opportunity to talk to somebody real that's mm-hmm. going to actually take an interest in you and and it's going to be about you and and um and and if there's ways we can help you know maybe you have uh, an investment account already that you just don't really pay any attention to or you have a retirement account from a job that you had or 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 you just need some advice like th- those are those are things that we do for people mm-hmm. and and then beyond that you know there's a lot of different pieces to a financial a really solid portfolio or a financial plan there are things like uh, different forms of insurance that we that we offer uh, life insurance and disability insurance and long-term care insurance um, even even things to help ensure somebody's retirement so so for people who have who have worked a long time in their life uh, and they've gotten to an age where they'd like to maybe uh, turn some of their investments into income uh, we, we also have a lot of great tools to, to do that to help them achieve not just projected numbers, but but numbers that are that are going to be guaranteed. You know, creating things like pensions for uh, for them, where they have a check every month that's guaranteed to come to them. So there's there's a lot of different things there, and you know, we we obviously buy and sell individual stocks and things like that on the on the stock market for clients as well, and and just everything in between. So that's probably a nutshell there for you. Awesome. So that again is a uh freedomfin.net. That's freedomfin.net. And the link is going to be yeah. in the show notes for the listeners. You can check it out and visit the website. I appreciate you mentioning that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> welcome. Ran, what is the number one social platform for someone who wants to connect with you? Your social platform? Oh, um, I, I probably, I'm, I'm a little bit old fashioned. So Facebook is probably the best. I'm on there most i also have an instagram and a linkedin account that i am on frequently mm-hmm. but i mean facebook's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me if you're awesome. working on social media oh, okay okay ren one final question what would you say to someone listening right now who might be feeling lost or dealing with a ton of stress maybe they've lost a job or simply unsure which direction to take their life in uh, well, I would I would say first of all, um, it, it's going to be okay. Like money, it's money is not the the like I said earlier is not the end game. It's not all about money. And a lot of people will tell me that, thinking that they're telling me something that I didn't already know. That it's not not all about the money, and it's not. And so you now, but but I also recognize that not having money can be really stressful. And, and really difficult. So yeah, it, 
money is not what it's all about, but not having money can pretty much consume somebody. And, and so that's why I would say first is, is just remind them and they might know it on some level, but just tell them it's going to be okay. And I think second is they're not alone. Uh, that, and I don't mean just, just that they're not alone because there's a lot of other people dealing with the same problem, but they're not alone that there are people, genuine people who, who want to help them in, in, in various ways. And so, and, and so I just want to encourage them to, to I think the, the natural instinct is maybe to, to ball up or, or hide the issues or, or kind of become reclusive and, and pull away or retract from connecting in, in times of difficult financial difficulty. But, but what I've found is that the opposite is, is, so, is really so much more powerful. And the minute somebody comes out of that shell and, and reaches out and shares or opens up about where they're at with somebody is, is the, is the mo- is the turning point. Uh-huh. And so I would encourage them to be real and, and be, and there are probably people in their life that they don't even realize care about their situation more than they would realize unless they just open up and share. So that's, that's what I would say. Wow. Thank you, Ryan. That's really great advice. Ryan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us your knowledge, your experience, and all the lessons you've taught us. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Carl. Thanks for joining me this week on the Carl Katende Show. Subscribe to the podcast so that you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this show, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would really help us a lot to grow. Thanks again for listening. See you next week. Take care.